Good evening, everyone. Uh, good to see everyone here. Good to see um, Yvonne and Tristan. Uh, let's turn, please, to 611. 611. <clears throat> 611. This will be upstanding and remain standing for the closing prayer. Closing, no, opening prayer. So, <laughs> 611. <clears throat> Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains to the deep Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee, promise divine that never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, lighting my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing his praises, Jesus is mine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never conceal my Savior and guide. He is the light and there is no darkness, ever I'm walking close to his side. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing his praises, Jesus is mine. In the bright sunlight, ever rejoicing, blessing my way to mansions above, singing His praises while I'm walking, walking in sunlight, sunlight of love. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight. Fighting my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing His praises, Jesus is mine. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Our loving God and our Heavenly Father, we bow before you and thank you that on this evening we have come together to remember your Son, Jesus, and to praise you, for you alone are the God who is worthy of the worship that we bring. We thank you, Father, that because of him, we can come with boldness into your presence on this first day of the week. And we pray, Father, that each of us is an encouragement to one another, to strengthen us in this life that you have called us to live as Christians, to be members of your church, Father, and to encourage others to obey the gospel by taking that message to every person on this earth if we can. We love you, Father. We ask for your power to be amongst us so that we can fulfill all the challenges that you have given to us to realize, Father, that whatever is accomplished is according to your will and because of your power. So lift us up, Father, and strengthen us. 
And may our worship be pleasing to you as we come in sincerity of our hearts in obedience to the truth and present our spirits before you to worship you as you have commanded. But we ask and seek these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing and turn to 860. <clears throat> 860. <clears throat> 860. <clears throat> there is a habitation built by the living God. For all of every nation who seek that grand abode, O Zion, Zion, I long thy days to see, O Zion, Zion, when shall I dwell in thee? A city with foundations, firm as the eternal throne, no wars or desolations shall ever move us on. O Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. No night is there, no sorrow, no death and no decay, no yesterday, no morrow, but one eternal day. Oh, Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. Please to six hundred and fifty. <clears throat> six five zero. And after this, we'll have the sermon reading and followed by the sermon. Six fifty. <clears throat> There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves and the light, and the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. 
Send the light, 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 Send the light and the golden offering on the cross we wait. Send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. Let us pray that grace may everywhere abound. Send the light, send the light, and the Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light, send the light, and bless the gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. Not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. Good evening, brothers and sisters. I think we are here again to, you know, worship as we do all the time. And uh, about a month ago, if I can remember, uh, I talked to you about the Satan's strategy to destroy the lost church or to destroy Christianity by using denominationalism or proliferation of churches. Um, that was part one. And I say, if I get chance, I will give the part two or the concluding lesson. Uh, so today I'm going to uh, you know, conclude this lesson by giving you part two. So just remember what we said uh, in the part one about Satan's strategy to finally destroy Christianity using denominationalism or proliferation of churches. Let's remind ourselves again. Uh, in part one, we talk about uh, you know number of denominations uh, in the world. Just denominations. 
we have about 30 denominations in the 2 million thousand denomination and uh, the Bible we know that the Bible established his church and this is one as we all know so in that case why all these churches all these churches who do not and if we read uh, uh, we read the gospel according to chapter 17 uh, we all know how Jesus Christ prayed for the whole night and his prayer centered on that all people following him may be one okay first for himself and he prayed for uh, his apostles and then he prayed for all the people that will follow him and his prayer is that all may be one so that the world will know that indeed they are of christ but this prayer i'm afraid to say if we uh you know take what is going on in the world today with all these uh, 34,000 denominations uh in the world today which speak different languages okay different faith uh then i will say that that prayer did not work that prayer did not work and it is not jesus who made it, it's humans who didn't want that prayer to work if we are thinking that all these belong to christ then i'm afraid that prayer did not work but is that the case now we use matthew chapter 13 verse 24 to 36 uh, to 30 where we know uh, jesus told us a parable regarding the kingdom of uh, heaven. Now, I explained that when the uh, Bible said the kingdom of heaven, it's not the heaven to come. All the time when Bible say uh, a kingdom of heaven, people think that, oh, he's talking about heaven to come. Heaven is not going to come on this earth. We are rather going to go to heaven. Jesus is going to prepare a place. And when he finished, he'll come back and take us there. So when Jesus uh, taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and said, when you are praying, say, our uh, Father who are in heaven, uh, thy kingdom come. And people are thinking that the heaven is coming on earth. No. The kingdom that he was talking about was the church that is going to set it up. So... Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said uh, there's a, a, a farmer who went out to sow a seed, okay? And when the farmer went and his uh, uh, laborers went to sleep, uh, his enemy also came and planted wheat. So they all grew together and they look alike and so confusing that uh, when the, the, the laborers saw it, they went to the farmer and said, Lord, it's not that we planted uh, a good seed. Where from all these weeds? Okay, do you want us to go and take them out? And then he said, no, don't do that, because if you do that, you may 
you know, approach the right one. Okay, so leave all of them to grow together. But in the harvest time, I will tell the reapers together or the bad ones and then put them in fire. Now, if Jesus, when he was talking about this, he said he was talking about the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven can be compared with somebody who planted the good seed. Then you know that he's talking about the church, that he planted his church, and then the enemy, and we know the enemy is the devil, planted a lot of, you know, churches, okay, just to confuse the world so that we will not see the right church to, you know, uh, choose. I gave a, a scenario that it's like uh, you have one apple and you put the apple on the field and then you have a track full of apples and that track of load uh, everything and put them in on your one apple and you are asked to look for that one apple. How difficult this is going to be. Okay, you can't do that. The same way if Jesus said he planted his church and now we have about 34,000 uh, you know, denominations around the world, how would you fish out the correct one? So, by, uh, uh, so this is just to you know, bring your mind to what we discussed about a month ago. Now, the next point is, how can we find the good seed in the midst of the weeds? Or how can we find the true church in the midst of all these denominations around the world? Now, knowing that denominationalism, okay, or proliferation of churches is Satan's ploy to deceive many, I will urge all religious leaders and God-loving people not to ignore these warnings from Jesus and his apostles, but taking them seriously. That uh, parable was a warning to the world, okay? Because Jesus saw the plan <clears throat> of the devil. Okay, if you say, well, you're going to save the world, that's on the plan of salvation, the church is the fulcrum, okay? The, the pillar of everything. Without the church, there's no plan of salvation. Right. And no one, uh, Satan knowing this, is targeting the church. Okay? He, you know, used so many means to first eliminate Jesus when Jesus was a baby and he was not successful. Then he just uh, uh, spearheaded the crucifixion of Jesus, thinking that by crucifying Jesus, all this kind of plan of salvation will be aborted. But little did he know that God used the cross to save mankind. Okay, that one failed. And then, all you know, the church was established. He couldn't stop the church. He helped in, you know, maltreating so many disciples who were championing the cause of the church by killing some of them, imprisoning some of them, but this did not deter the Christians. The church came on in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem. Right. Now, when he saw that he failed, now he targeted the church to fight against the church. Right. That is why Jesus gave this warning. Be watchful. And the apostles also gave this warning that be watchful because in the latter, day, in the latter days, some will depart from the truth. And 
I gave a lot of warnings that, you know, uh, 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 Bible gave to us so that we can be watchful about devil's plan. Now, how are we going to search for this seed among the weeds of this church, among the churches? Jesus said to his disciples, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So there's a truth somewhere. If you start to look for it, the promise is you shall know it. You shall know it. People are confused in the world and do not know what to do with regard to which church to choose because they are not studying the scriptures. They are sitting down for people to feed them. So they depend on what their leaders will tell them without they, uh, themselves looking into the scriptures. Now, it will be difficult if you do that. You will not know the truth. You understand? Now, with God guide, your help, and people helping you, that will help you to, uh, you know, uh, know the truth as the Bible says it. Now, to trace the original church of our Lord Jesus Christ, okay, we have already established in part one that Jesus indeed planted his church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Okay, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody knows it. So we are just developing. So um, if uh, uh, you did not maybe listen to the part one, it is on the internet. If you go to uh, the, the uh, YouTube, uh, other church website, or you type Paul Offin, you'll find that lesson and you can follow it, the part one, before you listen to uh, this one. Now, I know that's lesson one I did. I, I've seen about more than 150 people have watched that. So, a big congregation. So, uh, I know many people will. Uh, uh, are listening to what we do on, on the internet. Now, step to trace the original church. The first one. Now, in trying to trace the original church, three important questions must be asked. The first is, did Jesus really establish his church? Okay? Many people do not know. Many people. People with, you know, biblical uh, PhDs and the rest, they don't have any idea. If you say Jesus established church, they have the Bible in their homes, but they don't know it is in there. So before we can trace that church, we need to establish that fact. That Jesus established his church. And point number two is, if Jesus did, what are the landmarks, okay, to identify this church among human churches? He planted his and today, if we have 34,000 different faiths, it means the race are planted by humans, okay? So how are we going to trace this church and what are the landmarks that we can use? And question number three to ask is, how does one become a member of this church if truly it does exist? Now, to find answers to these questions, we need to go into the Bible. We don't need to take any other book that is written by human. No. God has given us his word. Okay? 
And according to Paul, this book, which is the Bible, is the inspired word, okay, from inspiration of God, and it is uh, uh, profitable for teaching, for reproof, okay, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So if you want to find answer to this question that I've asked, whether Jesus established his church, and what are the landmarks, and how does one become a member of this church, the Bible has answer to these questions, okay? So we need to go into the scriptures and find out what this church is. Now, I've already established that if you hear the kingdom of heaven, it's not talking about heaven. Whenever the New Testament says the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the church. It's talking about the church. So, uh, we know in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, when John the Baptist was baptizing people at Jordan, he preached to them, say that, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay? And John was not talking about heaven to come down. He was talking about the church. And then we know, again, uh, Jesus also asked the disciples to pray for the kingdom to come, the church to come. Right. The question is, did the kingdom come? Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says, we have already received an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28, we have received an unshakable kingdom. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 uh, 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 to 14 says, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and has been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. If the kingdom has not been established, how would you translate somebody into it? If the kingdom is not there, how would the Hebrew writer say, we have received the kingdom? So that means the church was indeed established as Jesus promised. Right. Did Jesus really establish his church? Yes, he did. According to him, he said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Reading from verse 13 to 20, okay, he made a promise in 18 that I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. For the first time, Jesus openly declared his intention to establish his church to his disciples and says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which means this is by all means bound to happen. Okay, Jesus has spoken and it has to work. Before he ascended onto heaven, after his death, Jesus ordered his apostles to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is the setting up of his kingdom or the church through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 9, he told them to go and wait in Jerusalem until they get a promise. Right. In Acts chapter 2, which gives us a clear account of the church being established on the day of Pentecost, Peter and the rest of the apostles baptized about 3,000 people to outdoor the church as promised by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Okay. If we take time and read the book of Acts, even those who do not know that there is a church in the Bible, just read the book of Acts and ask yourself, what church is this book of Acts talking about? What church is it talking about? Now, Acts chapter 2, if you read it severally and take note of verse 41 and verse 47, reading from verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Okay? So, you can add about 3,000 people to something that is not established or that is not there. You got to have the thing established before you can add people to it. These souls were the first batch that the Lord added to his church. Verse 47 says, I think Graham quoted it today, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So from the 3,000, uh, uh, the Lord continued to add people to his church. So that is what the book of Acts says. Okay, so following the initial 3,000 people, to mark the beginning or to outdoor the church, the Lord continued to add people to it. So yes, Jesus established his church. If the Bible says we have received the kingdom, okay? If the Bible says we've been translated from the power of darkness into his kingdom, okay? If the Bible says uh, people have been added to his church daily, then you have to know that indeed there's a church in the Bible and that is the church that Jesus built. Now, what are the landmarks? What identify the church? We are trying to fish out the seed from the waste. Okay? The church Jesus planted from all these thousands and hundreds of thousands of uh, denominations. And it's difficult though, but Jesus said, you shall find the truth. You shall find the truth. Okay. Now, the book of us and the epistles of the apostles clearly show us the landmarks, okay? There are five distinct landmarks to identify the church. Five distinct landmarks. There are many more that you can, you know, if you want to trace the, the, the church that Jesus talked about. The first one, we have to consider how this church prayed, the early church prayed, so that if we see today, we can see that this is how they prayed, and today they are praying the same way. Now, the members of the Lord Church were and are still prayerful. They communicate regularly to God through prayers, and the Holy Spirit directs their prayer to God. One outstanding landmark is that men were always and are still leading the prayer whenever the church may, okay? If you go to the Bible and looking for the church that Jesus established, one of the things that you know, this is the church, is the way these people prayed. And today, the church still in existence and doing the same thing. And one thing you can, uh, 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 you know, fish out is that their prayer were led by men. And Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, 
I want men to pray everywhere. Paul was speaking through the Holy Spirit. He was not speaking from his own head. The, true, uh, the Holy Spirit guided him. And all the words that he wrote was the inspired word of God. He said, I want the men to pray everywhere, raising hands. Okay? A faithful hand. Now, so this is the example telling us that the men were leading the prayer. After that, he said, and I want the women to adore themselves, uh, blah, 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 blah. If you read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, point number two, another landmark is teaching and preaching. Members always ensure they preach and teach nothing apart from or by the sound doctrine, which was handed the, uh, to them by our Lord Jesus Christ. So they don't have any other books that they preach from. They only preach from the sound doctrine handed to them, to the Lord. So if you see any church that follows human doctrine, that will not be the lost church. If you are trying to look for the lost church that the Bible talks about, they always go by the doctrine handed to them by Lord Jesus Christ. And in the doctrine, women were and are still not allowed to preach or teach in the assembly of the church. It's not anybody trying to silence the women in that church, but Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit to Paul, says, I want the women to keep silence in all the assemblies of the lost church. Okay? First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 to 36. Okay? Before he began, he said, as it is in all the churches of the Lord, everything should be order. And then he continued by saying that, let the women keep in silence. The same letter was written to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, that women are not allowed to preach or to lead, to teach the lost church when they are in assembly. To say that women can teach the other women, Okay, but where the church come together to worship, women are not allowed to lead the lost church then and today. Women are not allowed to lead it. Now, another landmark is communion or what we call the lost supper. Members did and are still doing weekly remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ as all that using the communion, which is the bread and the fruit of vine. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26, Paul said, what I receive from our Lord Jesus Christ, the same thing I'm giving to you. Paul did not add anything to it. Okay? The raw thing that he received from our Lord is given this. What did the Lord do? Okay? And the uh, night before, he was crucified to break, break it and give to, uh, you know, his disciples and said, do this in remembrance of me. Okay. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we have an example that the early Christians had this Lord's Supper taken on the first day of the week. And if you read there, Paul waited in that city 
because of this Lord's Day and because of what they were going to do to break bread to remember the Lord. So, every first day of the week, the church that Jesus established in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they broke bread. And today, the church still existing over 2,000 years ago, still breaking bread every first day of the week. Now, point four to identify the Lord Church is the way the members sang at that time and they are still singing today. They sing without instrument. In the New Testament, there is nowhere that you can find these instruments that the uh, people are playing today, that you see Peter with organ and Paul with Malachach or whatever, or trumpet or anything in the Lord's Church. No way. Rather, Paul advised that we should sing and make a melody in our heart to the Lord. They recommended the fruits of our lips to praise Almighty God. So they sang all with your heart, okay, to praise the Lord. And today we still do that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. I'm quoting all these. Uh, time will not allow us to read them. But if you read them, um, you can get all these points I'm trying to bring. And the last point is the giving or the collection. Now, members brought and are still bringing their collections every first day of the week which is the Sunday, okay? Apart from these weekly collections, the saints or the Christians also did a lot of benevolent things involving their money. So it's not only Sunday that they, you know, brought their collections. But whenever there is a need, okay, they gathered something to help to solve that need. And today, the church that Jesus established uh, which is still in the existence, do the same thing. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, talks about these collections being done on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, tells us how to go about it. You shouldn't be forced to do that, but you should do it with an open heart to, you know, bring your sacrifice to the Lord. Another thing that we will talk about is probably people, if you say this, people will say, okay, what is this church you are talking about? Now, what is the name of this church at all? The church that Jesus established in Acts chapter 2 has no particular name. Maybe you'll be confused that I'm saying that. Jesus is not saying, I'm going to establish my church and I'm going to name it this or that like we have so many churches. Now, it did not concern the apostles or Jesus at that time because there were no, no other church at all apart from the one true church. So if you say you are a Christian, nobody asks you which church you belong to because there was only one church. There's no need to give a name, okay, from the others. Now, then if there was no particular name, what happened then? How would one find out? The Apostle Paul 
writing a letter to the Corinthian Christians, describes the church that Jesus built as the church of God. Though Jesus did not say, my church is going to call this, but the apostles, because the church belonged to God, who is Christ, they called the church as the church of God. Because it belonged to him. It's not Paul's. Okay? Then you say the church of Paul or the church of Peter. That we have so many churches. It's simply the church of God. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Again, writing a letter to the elders in Ephesus, Paul described the church as the church of God. As chapter 20, verse 28. After writing a letter to all the churches in Rome, Paul concluded his letter by saying, Greet all the churches of Christ. Okay, Romans chapter 16, verse 16. Now, so here, because the church belonged to Christ, Paul is saying the church of Christ or the church of God. So this is what we read from the New Testament. Jesus said his, he will establish his church, and he did in Acts chapter 2, okay? And the, the, the early disciples or the apostles called this church as the church of God or the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are other descriptions that the church, uh, uh, for the church, but all describe the founder, the Christ who bought it with his own blood. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28. So all the names that describe the church, they all centered about Christ, the owner. He used his own blood to purchase it. So we don't have any other name. So if we have any name that is not involving with the, 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 the Lord or Christ that we are talking about, then I will say you need to look into the New Testament and find out how the early Christians or the apostles describe the lost church. They simply call it the lost church or the church of Christ. And the members were simply called Christians. They called themselves brothers and sisters. There wasn't any huge names among them or any uh, fancy names. Just simply brothers and sisters because we are or they were a family. And that is how it is. How does one become a member of this church? Right. Again, we don't have this answer outside the Bible. The Bible gives us a clear picture how one, you know, became a member uh, uh, when the church started. And today we follow the same pattern. Now, if you deviate from this pattern, it means you've deviated from the sound doctrine handed over to the apostles. In Acts 2, verse 47, we are told, and it is written there, that the Lord added the saved to the church. Okay? Those that the Lord saved, he himself added them to the church. So, in the Lord's church, no other person add anybody into the church apart from Christ himself. Okay? 
he does the adding. So, Lord adds people to his own church. Now, but before the Lord will add somebody to the church, there are certain requirements that that person must fulfill. Prior to verse 41 in Acts chapter 2, it says, Those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So he mentioned baptism there. Those who received the word were baptized. You can't just sit somewhere and say, I'm a Christian. I've been born again without knowing anything about the word baptism. That cannot be. So they were baptized. Now, before that, before the baptism, what happened? The people asked Peter and the rest of the apostles in verse 37 said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Before even these people baptized, they asked what they should do. And Peter answered them and said, repent and let every one of you be baptized. So repent and let every one of you be baptized. So before they were baptized, these people repented. So repentance is also necessary that precedes baptism. Okay? Now, before they were told to baptize, what happened? They heard the gospel from the apostles and believed in it. Verse 36. They were pricked in their heart because they were told about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 36 says, let all the house of Israel hear this, that Jesus Christ that you crucified is now our Lord. And when they heard this message, it pricked their heart. So they talked about the death of Christ. They talked about Jesus Christ. So before they baptized, they repented. Okay? And before they repented, they believed something. And what was the something? The gospel. So you need to hear the gospel. You need to believe, you need to repent, you need to baptize. So this is the pattern that the early people set for us. And we follow it today. So if you are looking for the church that Jesus planted, after which the devil also planted a lot of it, now you need to go rigidly in the Bible and follow this pattern. Other than that, you are outside the box. Okay, so uh, to sum it all, before one can be added to the church by the Lord himself, he must hear the gospel, which according to Paul, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He must also believe in Jesus Christ as the 3,000 people did. Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to praise him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And he must repent, as Peter charged the people to do in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And after confession of Jesus, you proceed to baptism, as the Ethiopian Enoch did. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 38. So this is the steps. Now to conclude, my dearest listeners, the devil is real and is working tirelessly behind scenes to confuse Christianity through the use of denominationalism or proliferation of churches, human churches. Let us beware. The fact that you love God or be zealous about God does not guarantee your salvation. There are so many people out there 
who are very generous people. They are very good people. So sometimes they tell you, I, I, I don't see the need to go to church because I'm a good person, right? But is that all? Is that all? We have example in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10 to be precise, where we had somebody who was a good person, colonials, and Bible said he prayed and his prayer even was before God. He did good things to his society, but the Bible said he was not saved. He was not saved until he followed the pattern that has been laid down by the apostles which we are following today. So read Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. Or you can read the whole story, Acts chapter 10, and you'll find out how Colonials became a Christian. Right. So Paul did everything that he could to bring his you know, fellow Jews into Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 23 Paul said he became like a Jew so that he can win his brothers from Judaism into Christianity. Why? He saw that his brothers were so zealous. If you read Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 3, okay, they were so zealous, but without knowledge. That is what Paul says. So you can be so zealous about God, but if you lack the doctrine, you are outside the box. So you need to follow this as Jesus talked about. So brothers and sisters, I think this is where I will you know, put the part two, which is the end of this lesson. Denominationalism, Satan's strategy to destroy the lost church. The church that Jesus promised to build has been in existence for 2,000 years now. So, the church is among the 34,000 denominations in the world. And it's only one. You can look for it by going through the Bible as a guide. Follow it as we have in the New Testament. And you will become a New Testament Christian. And also be a member of the Lord's church. When you follow these steps, the Lord will add you to his church. Amen. Please turn with me to 852, 852. Thank you, Paul, for that lesson this evening. 852. <clears throat> when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of us shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, and the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On the bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. 
where its chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roller roller is called up yonder, and the roller is called up yonder. When the roller is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wonders, love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is rolled up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is rolled up yonder, when the roll is rolled up yonder, when the roll is rolled up yonder, I'll be there. 364, 364, and then after this we'll have the, the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> 364. <clears throat> we gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving sun, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No one is a stranger here. Everyone belongs. Finding our forgiveness here. Winter, forgive all wrongs. He joins us here. He breaks the bread. The Lord who pours the cup is risen from the dead. The one we love the most is now our gracious host. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. We are now a family of which the Lord is head. Though unseen, He meets us here in the bread. King of the bread, we'll gather soon, where angels sing, we'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King, now we anticipate the feast for which we wait. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, but whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We now come to partake of the Lord's Supper. 
And the reason we do so is because Jesus died for us. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. And to give us the opportunity to be united with him again. Because of sin, we were separated from God. But because of his son, we were reunited with him. And he has commanded us every first day of the week to come together and partake of this supper to remember him. Let's pray. Father, this time we come before you as one family to thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. To thank you for his body that was broken and beaten so brutally so that everyone has the same opportunity to, to be reunited with you. And Father, for those who have accepted you, pray to bless them this time as they partake of the Lord's Supper. And help us and them to remember what your son went through for us. And Father, pray to forgive us all of our sins. For your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Father, once again, we come before you. And Father, I pray for the fruit of the vine as a symbol of your son's blood. That blood that was shed so freely. That blood that was shed so that we could reconnect with you, Father, and so that you could call us your sons. And Father, at this time we pray, we pray that you bless every head that's bowed. Father, we pray that you help us as we go through our lives to always focus on you and put you first. And Father, we pray that you forgive us all of our sins. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's conclude the Lord's Supper.
<clears throat> Turn to 346, please. 346. Do we know this one? Does anyone know this song? 346. <clears throat> yeah, okay, let's try it. Give me a I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear the voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, my Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to implore. He lives, he lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. The is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, he lives, Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me, our life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Let's all be upstanding and turn to 790. <clears throat> 790. We'll sing this song twice and then remain standing for the closing prayer. <clears throat> 790. My heart, my mind, my body, my soul, I Say. Hey. 
Everlasting God, we are grateful unto you for the completion of our service today. We thank you for Brother Paul, who has reminded us again that you want us to worship you in truth and in spirit. We pray that this message again this evening may be able to go, especially to people in the world, and hopefully they will be able to meditate and study on your word. And through this, many will be able to realize and know the right way to worship you. We thank you for everything that we've done. And as we'll be living here tonight, we pray, Lord God, that our mind, our soul, our body is for you, that you take control. That you be with us and guide our step and guide our, way, guide our thought throughout this week and throughout the rest of our life. Help us to be able to listen to your word when you are talking to us. Help us to be able to uh, understand what you are telling us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit direct our step and direct our way and take full control of our life. Let your will be our will. And let our will be your will. Wherever we want to go astray, we pray, Lord God, that you direct our path. We thank you, Father, for answering our prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen. Amen.